If you're here for the first time, we're in the midst of a move of God. And God's doing things that uh, many of us have never seen before. And those are the things we've been asking Him for in prayers. Do things we've never seen before. And even Scott Freeman, who was in, who was, uh, in San Jose, he and Leslie that I was interviewing, um, he had his ACL split in half. And the MRI shows the, uh, the, the, the tendon balled up on both sides of his knee. And so he was in church here last April, and we laid hands on him and prayed. And the next Tuesday, he calls me on the cell phone, and uh, he says, they just wheeled me out of surgery and, um, after he came out of the anesthesia. And he said, uh, they opened up my knee, and the doctor who took the MRI opened up my knee, and he said, I'm confused. Your ACL is fine. And so, yeah, and so the doctor took some more pictures of it because he didn't understand it. So I brought those pictures here to the church and we showed the medical report and it was supposed to be eight months of recovery, pins in the knee, but we were going to send them down to Costa Rica to work with the kids at risk. And God wanted him to be doing that rather than having eight months of recovery. So he just did a miracle in his knee. Amen. So next week we're going to do a full report on the Freemans and we're going to take a special offering so that they can get some of the nationals into their school. And when I was ministering in their school to the, to the uh, youth from around the world, the fire of God, just like it hit here last Sunday, it hit that school. And after I got done ministering to those kids and laying hands on them, they were standing up worshiping. Scott had tears streaming down his face. The fire of God, my hand felt like I'd placed it on a, on a stove or something. It was so hot. In fact, I went around, laid hands on each one of the kids, prophesied over him when i got to the last one all of a sudden my hand started to cook and i thought oh now he wants to do that so i went around through the whole line again and laid hands on each one of the kids all over again and the fire of god went into them and started burning their hearts and um it was just a remarkable time with the kids so you see this fire that god is unleashing in our church isn't just for church services it's for life it's for our kids and our grandkids and at work in fact, this week, I believe, uh, we just had our first uh, angelic manifestation. Somebody here in the congregation was at work, and they believed that they had an angel appear to them. They came to my house shaking like a leaf, not even able to talk because they were completely overwhelmed from the reality that an angel had just appeared to them. Now, you see, that's normal in the book of Acts. So it should become normal to this house. All that is, I mean, we think it's something so unbelievably spectacular, but your angels are with you all the time. And all God does is allows you to see him every once in a while. And you end up, you know, shaking like a leaf for a week. But they're there all the time. And laughing, she says. So, Lord, we just want more of God's stuff in our lives. We want heaven on earth, God. Unless heaven invades the earth, we are living natural lives. And our kids grow up going to church and they think they're going to die and go to church again. But, Lord, when you start doing supernatural stuff, it just changes everything. So, we just love it. So, today what I want us to do in just the last few minutes we have is I want us to expand 
this revelation the Lord has been given to this house on friendship with him. The Bible says this, that if we say that we love God, but we don't love one another, we are liars and the truth is not in us. Now, that sounds just like a principle, but it's not. It is reality. Let me say this. A person who says they spend a lot of time with God and they know him, but they're mean to those around them. They, they don't know God and they have not met God. Because when you have an encounter with God, you have a love explosion. And that just gets on everyone else. Now, that explosion can dissipate pretty quickly, especially when you have five children. And you need to go back and get more love from God. But this is what turns children off to church, is when the parents say we love God, but then what the parents, what the children experience is other things than the love of God within the house. And it's a total disconnect for them. And so one of the ways that you and I um, know that we truly are in touch with God and truly being his friend is when that God encounter, that heavenly deposit makes its way into the way we treat our spouses, the way we treat our children, the way we treat one another. And so that's where we're headed now, is we are now going to expand this series from loving God to loving one another. And I'm going to tell you something. There are few times that I've felt the joy of God in my own heart than when His children love one another. It's just like in my own house. When my children are bickering and fighting and being selfish and not sharing, it makes me angry. It hurts my heart. That is not heaven on earth. It grieves me. It makes me sad. But when I see them sharing and being kind to one another, first it shocks me. Then, then joy leaps in my heart when I see them being kind to one another and preferring one another. Instead of me first, me first. It's like, why don't you go first, Elliot? And you're like, what? And you think, first you think, they're up to something. They have an agenda. But when it's genuine from the heart, it blows you away. And that is so sweet. That is heavenly stuff in a household. The humility, the sacrifice, the giving, the preferring one another. Being more interested in another person's interests than in your own. Really listening when somebody's sharing from their heart about their life. Looking into their eyes when they are talking to you and not looking at your watch or looking over their shoulder. These things communicate genuine kindness and care and love. And that's what makes the father happy is when his children are truly loving one another. And Jesus said it this way. When this kind of love, this fatherly, heavenly love truly is given and receiving among you, my people, then the world will know that I truly am Jesus, the son of God and the father truly sent me. Because a community of genuine love is unseen in the world. Everybody's after something. And when somebody's being really nice to you, the first question you have in your mind is what? Look at you guys. <laughs> we have grown up in an untrusting world because we know nothing's for free. But in the family of God, it's all free. Jesus said, freely you've received Freely give. And that is what we want to pursue in this church 
and over the next few weeks or six weeks, however long it is, depositing and engrafting this truth into us until you can say, my best friends in the world are at the gathering place. But that doesn't happen because I preach it. It's because we live it. Amen? Amen. So, let's jump in. Let's go to the book of John in chapter 15. And this is where we began our series and being the friends of God. What we learned is God has proven himself as our friend. And what we have done in this church now is we've decided we are going to now prove ourselves to be God's friend. And in fact, we started a covenant last Sunday called the Friends of God Community. Anybody can get in on it. The Friends of God Community, what we found are there are four things that we can do to prove that we are God's friends. Number one is we're going to spend time alone with God, like friends, spend time alone with one another over a cup of coffee and just sharing life. And so what we've decided is for those who want to be a part of this Friends of God community, it's just one practical way of showing to God we really want to be your friend. And we have decided we're going to spend 25 minutes a day with God. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to tithe. Because God says, bring all your tithes into my house so there's food in my house. So I can clothe the naked and I can feed uh, the, the hungry and I can help the poor and I can help the street kids and, and uh, finance my kingdom. The things are in my heart and my mind. And so as the friends of God, we are going to tithe or give the first 10% of our income to God for his purposes and his work. Instead of always asking God to do financial things for us, we're going to do some financial things for him to prove to him we're his friend. The third thing is we are going to come to church consistently because God says, I want my house full. And so just like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 that we studied, where it says he was seeking God, that's his time alone with God. He was giving to the poor. That means what was on God's heart was on Cornelius' heart, and he put his money where his mouth was. He also gathered his friends and his families together, saying, an angel appeared to me, and I want, and, and the angel said he's going to send a special messenger to me to preach to us. And he gathered his close friends and his family, and his house was full. So that when Peter came down and preached to Cornelius, God poured out his spirit on Cornelius and all of his friends and family, and they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit and saved right in the middle of Peter's sermon. So how do you get other people on fire for God? You get on fire for God. And then that fire spreads to everyone else around you. And so a third way we're going to show ourselves as God's friends and this God's friends and this friends of God community is we're going to come to church consistently and prioritize worshiping God together as a community. Some say, well, you know, I worship God out when I'm surfing. Well, that's wonderful. That's great. As long as you're not worshiping the ocean or worshiping the sun or moon, that's, you know, pretty petty anyway when you could worship the God who made the waves and made the moon and the sun and actually made those bath waves for you to have fun on. We'd rather worship him. Amen. And if you're worshiping the God that made the waves, you could ask him to bring a great set. And he will if you have faith for it. So. The fourth thing we're doing is we are pursuing a life of holiness and obedience. A life of righteousness. There are few things that please God more than a pure life. As I've been studying holiness this week, what I've seen very clearly is this. Holiness is not hard if it's coming from a motivation of love for God. 
and love for one another. Why? Because what you'll find is this. Jesus said this. All the law, you know, the Ten Commandments, all the law and all the prophets, the entire Bible, Jesus said, hangs on two commandments. They're all, all the rules and regulations in the Bible are all fulfilled in two commands. Love God and love your neighbor. You say, well, how can that be? How could that be the definition of holiness? Holiness means that there's nothing broken. You cause no harm or injury to God, to yourself, or to one another. There's no behavior patterns in your life, no attitudes in your life that are, that's hurting God, yourself, or others. That is holiness. And the motivation that produces that holiness is love. In other words, love would never do anything to harm your friends. Wouldn't it be great to be in an atmosphere, a community of people that you know would never harm you? They're always out for your best interest. Wouldn't you feel, wouldn't you just take a deep breath and relax? No posing, no pretense, no presenting your best, your best all the time. You can just relax because everybody in my life just loves me. Now, that, that sounds like a fantasy, doesn't it? God calls it the body of Christ. He calls it the kingdom of God. That's heaven on earth. It's not pie in the sky. It can be a reality if we decide to make it a reality by pursuing a life of purity and holiness toward God and one another. Look what John says, or Jesus says in John chapter 15. In verse 14, John chapter 15, verse 14, he says, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Well, what did Jesus command us? All we have to do is back up to verse 12. And he says this, this is my commandment. Say it out loud with me. That you love one another as I have loved you. That's his commandment. Jesus says, I call you my friends. In other words, you're proving to be my friend if you do what I command you to do. What did I command you to do? Love one another. Jesus said, when you clothe the naked, you have clothed me. When you feed the poor, you have fed me. When you visit the person in prison, you have visited me. Through the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. And guess what? When we love one another, we have loved Jesus. Jesus takes this so personally that when Paul, whose name was Saul, was murdering Christians, Jesus, after his resurrection, appears to Saul and says, Hey! Why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, I haven't done anything to you. Jesus says, when you've touched one of mine, you've touched me. So God says to us in this body, when you harm one of your brothers and sisters, you have harmed me. When you speak critically and disparagingly to your spouse and treat them disrespectfully, you've disrespected me. When you have berated your children, you've berated me. We're going to look at some of these passages that really bring this out. But I want to introduce a word to you that I want to be a value in this church forever. One of the best ways to describe what I'm talking about 
is, is wrapped up in a word called honor. I desire, God desires, the leadership of this church just went on a retreat this week and up into the mountains and we sought God together. Just sat in His presence in silence, listening to His voice, feeling His heartbeat. And one of the things that God wants to download into our church now is a culture of honor. A culture of encouragement. Giving honor to one another. This is what Jesus did to humanity when He came. At the fall in the garden, honor was stripped from Adam and Eve. They lost their dignity. And as you and I have lived life, we have had people strip our dignity and our honor from us. With critical words, with superior attitudes, with neglect and abuse, with mistreatment and mishandling. We grow up being fractured and fragmented. Every time somebody says a critical negative word to you, it robs you of honor. But every time somebody speaks into your life strength, what they see that's good, it restores your honor. And this is what Jesus did when he came to the earth. He began restoring people's dignity. You think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. This woman had had five husbands. The man she was living with was not her husband. She was an outcast of society. She was going to the well at noon because nobody goes to the well at noon in the heat of the day. She went there because she didn't want to be mocked and ridiculed. Nobody wanted to be around her. She was a Samaritan, so certainly no Jews would ever be seen with her. And Jesus sent his disciples away to go get lunch because he wanted to go meet the Samaritan outcast um, Woman alone for one purpose, to begin restoring her worth. And he's the first human being. Listen, this has got to afflict the Pharisees, the churchgoers, the Bible scholars, the seminarians. That the first human being that Jesus revealed himself to as the Son of God was the Samaritan outcast woman. He says, I know you. You just follow me and everything's going to be all right. She went, I met a man. She goes back to the town where all the men were hanging out, you know, like in the bar or wherever they were at. She was, I met a real man. That's what she said to him. She had her dignity back. What about the woman caught in adultery? She had just been in one of the worst sins on earth. Adultery. The sense of honor being stripped from her when she's caught. Whether she was married or the man was married, the spouse that takes the brunt of that adultery, stripping honor from that marriage, the the, uh, shame, the societal shame that's going to come on that woman and on that marriage. And then they bring her to church, not for restoration, but to strip her of more of her dignity. 
And then after they stripped her of her honor and dignity in public, then they were going to kill her with the judgment of God. Because God hates sinners. And here comes Jesus. The restorer of our honor. He looks at all those other human beings. And he says, How dare you think that you are better than her? You've all lost your way. I don't care how often you go to church, how much you tithe, how many prayers you pray. You've all lost your original glory. And I've come to restore. So how about you just leave her alone? And being aware of their own loss of dignity and respect and glory and honor. They all leave and then he looks at her. Lifts her. And says, woman, I don't condemn you. Isn't that just the most beautiful thing about Jesus? He sees our dishonor. But he rarely points it out. This will destroy your marriage faster than anything. Keep pointing out the dishonorable parts of your spouse. Just go for it. Just go ahead. Just just saddle up with Satan and just let that tongue loose and just make sure your spouse knows every one of their faults. All the time. And just watch your marriage flourish with romance and, <laughs> and love, unbridled. My wife is such an amazing woman. One time I blew it so bad in our marriage. And I just felt like I was the worst husband in the world. And you know what she said to me? A person's greatest mistake does not define them. I said, you know, I like what you just said. (laughs) I like that a lot. The Bible says love, what? How would you know I was going there? Love covers a multitude of sins. Can we do that in the church? Can we begin to do that on a mammoth level here in the gathering place? As Satan's trying to uncover us and point, can we just kind of step in front and just guard and protect one another? From our nakedness and our shortcomings and our faults. That doesn't excuse, that doesn't, that doesn't move accountability. But accountability has to be with a motivation of loving and restoration. Not to control and condemn. I remember one time somebody came to my life, I won't tell you the whole story. But they said they saw something in me prophetically. It turned out being pathetically. Because it wasn't true. But I believed it, you know, because I was teachable back then. And 
And I asked God about it, and I was crying and in my prayer time. I said, oh, God, what they see in my heart, is that really true? And I can't find it, and I can't see it. And the Lord said, you know why you can't find it, John? I said, no, it's all buried under all my childhood issues. And he said, it's not there. They were wrong. I was like, really? You know what he said to me? I went walking on the beach after that because I was just so happy. And I was walking with the Lord, and he said, I will never send somebody into your life to speak into your life the negative things about you that, that, that don't love you. And that don't know you. I will never send a stranger to do that. So spouses, let's not be that person in our spouse's life. Life's hard. We all have character flaws that afflict us and everybody else around us. Let's cover one another's sins and weaknesses, and frailties, and mistakes. Let's pretend like we're engaged again. Let's only see the good. And, and forget about the bad that everybody else around you see about that person that you're going to marry. That was, that was supposed to be funny. Yeah. Let's put on those rose-colored glasses again. But he doesn't even have a job, honey. Oh, he will, Ma. Uh. I want you to look at uh, Psalm 8. Look at this. From creation, God made us with glory and honor. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should even think about them? Human beings that you should even care for them. Yet, you made them only a little lower. That's an interesting little edit there. A little lower than God and say this out loud with me. Crown them with glory and honor. You have been crowned with honor. Now this revelation has come after the fall. You and I have been given honor by God. Why? Because we have been made in His image. Look at what James says regarding the way that we speak toward one another. In the book of James, he says this, But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. One of the worst things I see is when a spouse cuts down another spouse in public. You have to do a better job at venting your frustrations about your spouse in front of others. When a husband says something and the wife says, no, no. That is so, that's, that's stripping your husband of honor. Or when a, when, a, when a spouse is being sarcastic about his wife in front of others. You know what I think? 
I, I feel bad for the woman. I feel bad for the wife and the husband is somehow demeaning and, and uh, lowering the woman's value. He already must feel that way and he expresses it in public. And, and it, makes me, it makes me, you know, think, jerk. You know, you just need to go home and work it out. Don't you sometimes want to raise other people's kids when you see the way they speak to them in public? I just want to gather them up and just bring them on home. Because that's where it begins. is when these little impressionable children don't even know who they are yet. And the parents are berating them, saying critical, harsh things about them. You'll never amount to anything. You're stupid. You're an idiot. Or just the shaming tone and the look in the face and the disapproval strips those little ones of honor. And they grow up dishonoring others because they have been dishonored. But we can restore honor. We can restore one another's dignity in this house. Let's be restorers of honor. Let's see somebody's goodness. Do you know, I just read a book by a researcher from, uh, from Gallup. And uh, he, uh, they interviewed over a million people about friendships. And you know what they said was the worst thing that can happen to a person? It's not to be criticized or not to be demeaned, not even to be abused. The worst thing they said that you can do to a human being is to ignore them. Because what that says is, you're not even worth my time to insult. You know, and that's what I was saying earlier. It can even be as shallow as when you're talking to somebody and, you know, you're looking down or your eyes kind of glass over a little bit. or You're not really paying attention. That's a form of ignoring what they're saying. In other words, what you're saying is, what you're saying to me is not of much value. You're not of much value. You know, one time, Hope finally had it with me. Because whenever we'd go out to eat, I'd always be watching the football game. Right? You go to Chili's or something, you know. You're watching the game. But you're also out with your wife. But not really. You know what I mean? They know what they know what I mean. Ladies, you know what? Raise your hand, ladies. Come on, let okay, one, two, three, four, five, ten, hundred and fifty million. All right. So she said to me, you know what? Let's not even go out to eat anymore. Because all you do is watch the game. And I felt really bad. I genuinely felt bad. So I said, Honey, I'm so sorry. That is so disrespectful to you that I would value a football game over our time together. I am so sorry. I will not do it anymore. Whenever we go out now to eat, I'm going to turn my, I will sit back from the TV from now. So we started doing that and it was working well, right? Because there's not a temptation because the lust of the eyes isn't there because the TV's behind me. Well, one day we went out to eat and I put my, you know, my back to the TV. But the problem was there was a window that was showing the reflection of the game. That's, that was Satan. It was the devil. My intentions were pure. But I couldn't help myself. As I'm looking at my wife, all I had to do is just shift my eyes just so ever slightly where she wouldn't even know, notice. 
because it looks like you're looking at the person if you're far enough away. And I kind of over his shoulder, I can see the reflection of the game. Well, I got so caught up in the game. Man, I, oh God, it was so perfect. I was having both. I, I, oh, I had it all. I had it all, Jeff. I had my wife and the game. And all of a sudden, man, there was an interception in the end zone. I went, oh, no. <laughs> and she goes, Every human being was created with honor. But because of the fall, it's just not that easy to find sometimes in the person that you're with. Every one of us are the jewels of God. We are diamonds in the rough. And it takes a good friend to find that gold in you and pull it out. This would please God so much if we would focus on finding the gold in one another and pull it out, speak to it. I'm going to challenge you this week to do one exercise. This week, try to only say the positive to your spouse. About them. Okay, let's try it for one day. I see the looks on your faces. But this church is about the impossible. One week, speak the good things you see in your spouse. Tell them about it. Here's another thing. If it's not ignoring or criticizing, it's when you see something good in somebody. They did something good. They are good. And it gets stuck right here on your throat. Do you know what? You're withholding blessing. You're withholding blessing. Can you two stop it? Thank you. All right. God, it didn't even last 30 seconds in the house, did it? I'm already rebuking people. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you guys were speaking good things to each other? Oh, you were saying those were smoking guitar solos. That's what, oh, that's what, is that what's just happening here? Honor. You guys were already practicing the... That's really all we need to say today. (laughs) There is gold in every one of us. And we need to be treasure hunters. In each other's lives. This may be a little bit too much to say about hope again, but after being married for 12 years, she's a treasure hunter. She has really overwhelmed me with the way that she does not point out my faults. But she says, the first time she met me, she said something positive to me. 
And it just went inside of me. It made me feel like a man. Huh. I'm telling you, honestly, wives, you can, you, can, you can make your man feel less like a man easy. And men, you can make your wives feel less like a woman easily. And we can make our children feel like they're stupid easily. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry, your son just burst out involuntarily with a laugh. I think I just struck the Larkin family with an arrow. I'm sorry. That, was, that must have been the Holy Spirit. I didn't intend that. Wow. Yeah, the dad says, that couldn't be further from the truth, huh, son? He's like, come on, man, you're embarrassing me in public. No, I'm kidding. I know the Larkins. They, they are amazing. Tim is one of his primary gifts is encouragement. In fact, I just walked up to Chris before church today, and I said, you have turned into such a fine young man. I've seen, I've seen the development in this family. It's beautiful. It really is. But I'm interested in why you laugh, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> And at the same time, we can do just the opposite. Listen, family members, church family members, and natural family members, we have the most power to pull down or build one another up. Let's use the positive power of building one another up and not be like Satan, the accuser of the brethren, and pull each other down. Let's make this a house of honor. Amen? That's all I'm going to say today. It's an introduction, but this is the direction we're headed. Father, we pray for the spirit of honor to be restored in this house. And I don't say that because we have a problem in this church. I'm saying we want to go to the next level. We want this house to be pleasing to you. A house, not just this physical house where the church gathers, but in the homes of this church. In the friendships of this church, on the teams of ministry teams of this church, that we are speaking grace to one another. That when we think critical thoughts about one another, we cast them down and call them satanic. And we speak what you would be speaking, Jesus, about and to one another. Lord, I pray for those who have a hard time complimenting. Lord, release them this week and let those words come out of their mouth. Those words of life, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Lord, may we please you with our tongues and our speech this week. May this become a house of honor, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mark? Uh, how we would end and uh, isn't there just a great spirit here today
Man, there's just so much love in the room. Just overcome. And I don't think we should waste that. Why waste love? So there's people here today who you have felt dishonored and you've lived that and you've believed a lot of the lies that have been said about you by those that had so much influence and closeness in your life, they had authority. When they spoke, they spoke with authority. And it wounded your spirit, wounded your heart, wounded your self-worth and your self-image. And you could use a touch. You could use God reaching out by His Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm not saying this figuratively. I really mean this. He's here. He's here. He's here. You can't see Him, but He's here. And as you respond and reach out to Him, and you come forward, He will reach out His hand, His spiritual hand, by His Spirit, and He will touch your heart. And He will begin ministering His love and His acceptance and His approval, and He'll begin the process of restoring honor. Now, for some of you, it'll be a very powerful experience, and you'll think, wow, that's in- I didn't expect that. And you just had like three quarters of your honor restored in that moment. For others, it'll be just like a tap, just like he came by you and just sort of touched you lightly. And you can sense his presence and something good happened. The job's not done, but a, an installment of peace happened. And you're thinking, why didn't he give me more? Why didn't he give me the whole thing all at once? Why, why am I not getting my honor restored immediately? Sometimes we can't absorb all he wants to do. It'd be like a wave breaking over a rock. It stays wet afterwards, but it didn't get the whole wave. Sometimes we need to soak and stand in the wave over and over again as it seeps into us. Everyone receives God in different measure at a different pace. The key is to stay where he is and keep open and keep receiving. So whether you get a little installment today or whether you get a huge installment today, that's not important. What's important is that we're in his presence to receive. We're open-hearted and we have faith to believe. He wants to restore my honor. He wants to love me today. So if you could use that, whether it's a little bit or a lot, you come forward now and we have teams that are going to lay on hands in faith and pray that you receive the affirmation of the Father. So come now. If, If you want that, come now and we're going to pray it over you. And I'm certain the Lord is going to leave you today with the deposit of his fatherly affirmation and restored honor. And guys, this is not an admission of weakness. Well, maybe it is. If it's an admission of weakness, I'm weak. We all need his touch. We all need his touch. Heather, why don't you come and lead us in how he loves us? Should you just play that softly on the piano? How he loves us so. Okay, we're going to celebrate the family a little bit today. All you people sitting, would you, would you look up here and see these people who are standing? And ask, just do this in the spirit. So this is a bit of a little lesson here. God would have many of you come and lay on hands on these people. But you don't know who you should be laying hands on. But if you will just quietly... Look at the people standing here. You will get a sense of who you should lay hands on. Women to women, men to men. So just now, where you are, just look up here and see these, the backs of these people and ask the Lord, who would you have me pray for? And it's not going to be complicated. You're going to be the laying on of hands and we're going to do the praying. 
So we're not looking for a tremendous experience here. We're looking for open hearts who want to learn how to pray. So if you see someone standing up here that you, would, that you feel compelled, a little, a little inner witness, I'd like to pray for that person. Please come up now. Just gently lay hands on their shoulder as we pray for them. And we're going to bless them with what the Bible calls the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which Paul calls the ministry of adoption. Paul says, you did not receive a spirit of fear, which is how you live when you're not under honor. When you're not under honor, you're under fear. Do you understand? People are threatening when you're not living under God's honor. You haven't had it restored, but when your honor is restored, fear goes. Paul says, you didn't receive a spirit of fear. You received the spirit of sonship, daughtership. You received the spirit of adoption. It witnesses at the core of your being that you are God's well-loved child. And that restores honor. So let's lay hands right now on the people that are up here. Lay your hand on their shoulder. Open your hands to receive. Just even one hand. Just open your hand to receive like you're going to receive a gift. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, now. God, we call on you. Holy Spirit, now, Lord. Start to touch each person here with a restoration of honor and a witness deep within them that that you are God's well-loved child. And He loves you. Let it flow, Lord, right now. Touch her, Lord Jesus. Touch her, Lord, right now. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, Lord, with affirmation. Affirmation, Lord. You are the daughter I always wanted. You are my son and I am proud of you. I honor you. Holy Spirit, go deep and do this. Do this work of witnessing, testifying at the core of our being. You are my well-loved child. You are my well-loved child. Now receive it. I know there are lies going on in your head saying you don't deserve it. I know there's a spirit of unworthiness hovering around. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we command the spirit of condemnation to be gone from these children of God in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We command that spirit of condemnation get out of our presence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unworthiness be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit of adoption, witness and touch. Each person here. You're my daughter. I love you. You're my son. I love you. Receive it. Just say yes. Yes, Lord, this is what I want. Yes, Lord, this is what I need. Give me today as much as is good for me. Give me today as much as I can retain. Give me today as much as I can absorb. But God, don't stop doing it. Don't stop doing it. Receive it, Emily. Receive it. Just say yes. Take everything He wants to give. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Let's sing that.
Listen to these words. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. Lord says this is personal right now. I'm singing this to you. His wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves me. How he loves me so. And oh, how he loves me so. Receive it. Say yes. How he loves me. Receive it. Me so. Cause he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden. I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves me so. Oh, how he loves me. Sing it out, people. Everybody, let's do that. Do that course again. Sing it out as a fact. How he loves me so. Oh, how he loves me. How he loves me so.
thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. the Father is so proud of His children, and He's just blessing all of us and uniting us together as a family. And He's just unconditionally loving His children. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I think most of us are done. That's done for the moment. Not done forever, just done for right now. Let's go live in the portion of what we've received of his honor and affirmation. Come on up, Mary. When I was up here praying with a small group, God spoke something to me that I think it's for all of us. He said, don't leave here and tuck your head back down. Leave here and wear my crown of glory and honor. Don't let the devil steal the gift that God just gave. All right? He just gave a measure of affirmation. Some smaller, some larger. That doesn't matter. But He gave it. It's yours by right. You bear His last name. You're His child. It's yours by right. Don't let the devil in the next 10 or 15 minutes steal it from you. I know. I can see this right now. Some of you husbands and wives are going to have a fight before you get home. No. Really, I'm not making a joke. You're going to end up not living everything He talked about. And then you're going to feel so ashamed... And then you're going to feel so bad, like you lost everything that he gave you today. You just say, forget about the fight. It's still mine. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to get stolen from you. Just purpose. I'm going to walk in what he's given. Mistake or no mistake, I'm going to keep on persevering in what he's given to me because he chose to give it. And I want it. All right? Let's go from this place and live this out. Amen. Find somebody to give a hug to, all right? Find somebody to give a hug to and bless in the love of the Lord.